Daniel chapter 6. The, as we pick it up in there in Daniel chapter 6, the dominant world power at that time was Persia, uh, Darius, and I realize that nowadays everybody calls it Darius. I grew up with Darius, so you're going to hear me call him Darius. Uh, he's a Mede, and he's a king, but under the authority of Cyrus of Persia. Uh, he was actually a vice regent for Cyrus uh, of Persia. He's a 62-year-old uh, he's in charge of all the so uh, delineated uh, provinces of the uh, entire kingdom, which was basically the, the then known world. Uh, so he's uh, in charge of a lot. So uh, with that, uh, just by way of brief introduction, let's go read the account there. I'm going to read the first 16 verses just to even though we're familiar, I want to bring us totally up to date with what we're going to be talking about, the full story here. So, uh, chapter 6, 1 through 16. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, uh, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents, and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault in him. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king, and thus uh, said unto him, King Darius lived forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, that's a lie, uh, the governors, the princes, the counselors, the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that... Every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself 
and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored all uh, or till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the kingdom, the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Reading of God's word. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the focus that uh, we're giving ourselves over to tonight in Daniel chapter 6. I pray your blessing on our uh, time together. I pray that you would be honored and glorified by all that is said and done here. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, uh, this Daniel is uh, a highly unusual man. He's a man that the world looks at and they pretend to love, but they in fact despise men like this. And we're going to see that with Daniel. Uh, it's, uh, first of all, the problem is there's an excellent spirit found within him in verse 3. Very unusual, very positive. He has skills and ability uh, with that good spirit. And uh, without all that, he's placed in charge of everybody and everything. Uh, he's Mr. Big in the country. So uh, a man like that with, with that kind of bearing in life is going to be found as a target. And uh, it, it's just sad to say, but that is the case. Uh, that, that kind of, those qualities uh, in leadership. So Daniel becomes exactly that, and all the princes, uh, presidents, and yeah, not all that, all the presidents, uh, but uh, Daniel is the leader over the presidents and the princes, and they give the false impression that we're all together as leadership here coming with this discussion that we're going to talk about here, and that wasn't the case. So, uh, so all the princes and presidents consort against him. So, uh, however, and mind-boggling, and we read verse 4, uh, is the fact that uh, they're looking at this man, and he is unusual in this case because there's just no occasion or fault that they can find in the man. That's, that's highly unusual to, to come up with those kinds of credentials in life. But he's got a positive spirit, and they, they look, and they must have looked very hard, and they can't find anything to point to uh, bad about the man. Any, any misconduct, any misdeed, uh, he's pure as a driven snow. So uh, finally, these men get to themselves, and they say, we're not going to find anything against this Daniel, except we find it concerning his God. So... Uh, they meet and they devise and they submit a plan to the king to take care of Daniel once and for all. And I think it's rather clever that they came up with this. Uh, it's absolutely targeted at one man, Daniel, but it, it just makes it broad in general. And it, uh, if I, typically kings uh, in this part of the world, when they get a matter like that, uh, they would be minded to think, well, that, 
and throughout the world. Uh, uh, that can't be bad. That will just consolidate my power. Uh, no, I, I, I would go for that. Yeah. It's flattering uh, that they have to go through you for anything. And, and so it's very much to his liking and choosing. And he uh, foolishly signs it. Uh, even though his top official in the land was not present. He wasn't even cited as being a part of this uh, discussion. So uh, there we go. Uh, it's a hasty stroke of the pen, uh, certainly. And uh, there was that huge proviso that was part of this proposal that was set forth there. Uh, that uh, it's the law of the Medes and Persians, and the laws of the Medes and Persians that are signed by it cannot be changed. So once it's put in writing, once it's signed, it, it cannot be changed or altered. I have a lot to say on that issue uh, relative to what's going on, but anyway, I'll go, I'll go on. Uh, so uh, Daniel learns that verse 10, we've got uh, Daniel uh, with all his connections and all his uh, bearing in public office. Obviously, we get word of this in a hurry. Uh, he's a man of devotion to God Almighty. And uh, so for him, it's going to be business as usual, even hearing this and knowing the implications for him and his life, he goes home and uh, his windows are, when he gets there, already open towards Jerusalem. And uh, it's an important thing that his windows are open towards Jerusalem. If you just turn for a moment to 1 Kings 8, this is Psalm, or, uh, Solomon's dedicatory prayer for the temple. 1 Kings 8. Okay, this is... Part of his prayer, he says, Hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and do according to all this that the stranger calls to thee for. And I could cite other, other particular incidences that he's going to bring up, whereby this principle would be in vogue. Uh, but I'll just cite this one. Uh, for that all the people of the earth may know thy name, and to fear thee, as do thy people Israel, and that they may know that this house which I have builded is called by thy name. If thy people go out to battle against their enemy, whithersoever thou shalt send them, and shall pray unto the Lord toward the city which thou hast chosen, and toward the house that I have built for thy name, then, Lord, hear thou in heaven their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause. So it was a matter of, it became a, a fixture in, in uh, Israeli, Israeli life and, and habit uh, by this decree that they... Uh, get into any kind of trouble, any kind of dire situation, as well as the routines uh, of life, that they would pray towards Jerusalem and pray towards the temple and the city itself. And this is the habit that's been maintained. I, uh, you would know who I'm talking about here, Pearl. Uh, Steve Herzig, and I don't think she can hear me. I can uh, probably not speaking loud, loud enough. He's a contributing uh, writer for uh, Israel My Glory magazine. I know that she takes that, and we had him to dinner over once. And uh, he was talking about this matter of praying towards Jerusalem, toward uh, uh, the, the, the city and the temple. And he said, as coming up in a Jewish home, that he 
his family always did that. They prayed towards Jerusalem. And the east is the direction they pray in, symbolically. So depending on where you are, what you're bearing out, where your windows are and so forth, you pray symbolically to, to the east, which has always been God's direction of deliverance for the Hebrew people. And uh, it's all over the Old Testament and the New. Uh, but that east is a very important direction to the Hebrews. They, uh, the ancient Hebrews, unlike we, they oriented their maps to the east, not to the north. Uh, to the east is God's deliverance. To the west is the Mediterranean, which is big in the news right now as they're proclaiming their enemies from the, from the river to the sea. They've always been aware of that river that's at their back. Their, their back is to the sea. Their forward motion is to the east, to the Lord's deliverance. And I could go on and on about instances of God's deliverance from that direction. Uh, but they uh, still, to this day, regard the east as a very important direction. And symbolically, families will typically, in Orthodox Jewish homes, pray towards the east. Uh, so... Uh, he's got his window open towards Jerusalem. And uh, mindful of that uh, 1 Kings 8 reference there. So uh, back to Daniel uh, 6, verse 10. Uh, he's in his home. The windows are open to, to, toward Jerusalem. He kneels on his knees. I wouldn't have said it like that, but he's kneeling on his knees. Okay? Three times every day. And prayed. And uh, so in, he's praying in the knowledge of the consequence of praying in his usual fashion. Uh, it's not for him, he's going to do business as usual. He's going to pray as he always did. But he's, it's got to be big in his mind that this time it's of such consequence that this is undoubtedly going to result in my execution. But these are my solidarities in the Lord. I'm going to maintain them. And so uh, he prays to God with an open window. Uh, and a lesson while we're there is with his dire situation, this looming uh, execution because of his continued doing of that, uh, he gives thanks. And I find it a challenge when I'm faced with dire situation, the dire challenges. I got to think about that. It, it is a biblical precedent that we give thanks for all things, and we're commanded to do that. So he's given, giving thanks in the in the face of a, a huge dilemma in his life, and uh, so uh, in that knowledge, he he goes ahead. He does as he did aforetime. And it's in a time of great stress. So, uh, lo and behold, uh, as we shall see here, the, the other leaders, verse 11, found Daniel in making supplication before his God. So he was not only uh, giving thanks, but he was giving supplications before making his request known before the Lord. So, uh, they're achieving their mission here. They wanted to catch him, and they were going to use his convictions to the Lord uh, and to get him, and now they're in the process of doing this, working very well. Uh, they found him, and in 12 and 13, uh, they tattled on him to the king uh, Darius. Uh, 
they rehearsed that whole matter about the legislation that he had assigned, that he had signed. And so uh, they went all through that with him. And all this, King can see that what's gone on here, uh, he was deceived, uh, but he made his signature bear down ill-advisedly. He should have done that. He, he, he should have thought about the implications of that. I would think he would have wanted to know uh, where his lead man was. That would be Daniel. And uh, so there's a lot missing there. He just quickly signed it, went with the temporary flatter, flattery of the moment or whatever, but he did that. And now they're there to make him pony up. So uh, he's terribly grieved. He looked for a loophole, a legal loophole. Uh, I don't know what his lawyers were, what his legal device uh, or helpers would have been in that case, his lawyers. I don't see how you get out of an airtight thing like he was facing there. You can't change a law. You can't alter it. In, in, it's there in writing, and I signed it. And But I admire his concern. Very grieved at what he had done. If there's any way I could get through this, spare Daniel, he, he would have done it, but he's caught. And he quickly goes uh, to that conclusion. So... Uh, Ultimately, he, verse 16, commands that Daniel be brought and cast to his death. And uh, he commends Daniel. I, I, I don't know what his heart attitude was there, but he commends Daniel into the hands of God, his God, who will deliver him. Did he really believe that? Uh, I don't know, but he's, he's grieved at what he had done. He's turning him over. And at this point, there's nothing else he can do, but your God, the one you continually serve, Daniel, he's got to be the one that's going to save you, that can save you, will save you. And he feels that God will. At least he articulates that. So uh, I can picture Daniel now, and I can picture a friend of Daniel coming to him and wanting to talk turkey with Daniel. Look, Daniel, I'm your friend. You know me. And I've heard conversations like this. You know, you know me, and I'd be the last person on earth that would ever want you to compromise your convictions. I, I know what they are. I, I don't want you to compromise. But I, I, let me just ask you to consider. Uh, and, and Daniel, just, just hear me out. Uh, could you consider maybe praying at a different time? You're, you're so predictable in your habits here. They, they, they see what you're doing, the time of day you're doing. You're praying three times a day. So predictable. Could you just alter the times? Does that make it more difficult for them? If not impossible for them to catch you at the right moment. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, maybe you could do this in a different place. Eh? I mean, you know, after all, you're still praying to God. You're still praying three times a day. But if you did this in a different location, it would be impossible for them to find you. That would be a good thing. And, you know, why go to the extreme of doing as you've been doing it? You, you're still maintaining your loyalty to God Almighty, but just change your location. In fact, Mary, don't, don't change your location. Could you just place that tall chest of drawers that you have in front of the window? I mean... You're just right out to where everybody can see you. And, you know, they know when you're going to be praying. They know where you are. They're going to see you. You could just block that. Just 
cover that up, uh, that, that kind of thing. And uh, maybe even, Daniel, have to consider, you know, you could just hold off praying three times a day right now, you know, and after the 30 days is up, maybe you could go six times a day uh, for 30 days. And their understanding of gods and how gods work, that's their mind, I could see going that way, that you're still putting in your due diligence, for crying out loud, uh, you, you're giving him that. So now just double it after the fact. But in the meantime, your life would be spared. So uh, all that, uh, with the stress of the moment, I could see where thoughts like that would be entertained, certainly by friends, but by him. Uh, but I, I get the impression with his mindset that he's not built that way. He is so loyal to the Lord. There is not... Uh, any way that he's going to sub- submit to that or su- succumb to that kind of temptation. Uh, so he's going to, uh, as I read him, not he's going to be executed for not omitting uh, a matter of devotion to the Lord. Uh, he is not going to alter, the record says there, not one detail is he uh, going to alter. And... Uh, so, um, the die is cast here. So, uh, there are many eyes on Daniel, and uh, with his position, with his uh, leadership, he remains steadfast. And I believe in that he's an example for the believer. And I think it's good to note that he didn't want to omit any particular detail. Uh, it, uh, there was no clutter in his life. I just don't detect that. I think that everything that he did meant a lot to him. And it was deliberate, and it was dedicated to the Lord. And so he's not going to uh, alter anything. In fact, when you look at your own life and wonder, you know, in a similar situation like that, how far would I be willing to go? What would I be willing to give up? If there are things that, well, I could relax that, or I could relax on that or whatever. If there was that kind of thing prevalent in your life, why is it there in the first place? I think it, it, it what we do here, uh, what we do in life should be very deliberate and honed down uh, to the point where uh, it's important to to where I wouldn't give up anything for it. And uh, so uh, what he did was important. It was daily on his schedule. It was that important, and he continued on with that, uh, and I'm not willing to give up anything. So uh, I think that's a, a very useful point there. Uh, I think there's a uh, a matter there that is important for us to uh, consider, and it's the burden of my uh, part in this. As I look at this today, uh, what we see Daniel going through here is, uh, as I say, it, it's important to him. It's very much a part of his love and devotion to the Lord. He's not willing to give up any part of it. Uh, 
and he was there was no equivocation on his part he went right to that and so uh, I think uh, it is for us to consider uh, in our lives what are our aforetimes what have we decided on what what are we doing what are we what have we decided to do uh, that we're not willing to give up and uh, I don't know if you this kind of dates me, but I remember uh, Henry Kissinger doing his shuttle diplomacy in the Middle East when uh, about 1973 went back and forth and, and carrying on stalling and coming up with peace of a kind, not, not ever a lasting peace in the Middle East, but he was, uh, but there came a point when he was giving, and there was give and take in the discussions with the Soviets, and that's sort of who was behind everything there, the, the uh, parties, the, the enemies of Israel. I remember there was one point in a news conference, we're all by our sets listening to what's going to happen next. It, 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 this was very serious. And he said in his own inimitable way that the Soviets must know that there are limits beyond the base we cannot go. And I never forgot that. Uh, there, there was a, and the, the Soviets got it. There was a limit. We're, we're only going to go so long uh, with this. Uh, and the, the limits were put out there. So uh, what are our aforetimes? Ones that are not and hopefully they're all to this point when, when it comes to our love and devotion to the Lord, they're not negotiable. I'm going to stand uh, for this no matter what. And, you know, we, we, if we have a list, and I think it's important to consider this and ask ourselves this, what uh, uh, we will stand for no matter what. Uh, I, I think we need to make decisions ahead of time before we get there. We're living in very stressful times. It's a good time to... to make lists like that, considerations. What, this is a line beyond which I cannot go and won't go, uh, come what may. Uh, just as an example of that kind of thing is the fact that uh, uh, our meeting together is, is very important and I'm not willing to give on that. You know, if things got, uh, dire and the force, powers that be come down on us really hard and they put guards at the door and put chains around, uh, fence chains around our location, we wouldn't be able to meet as we do. These are very comfortable circumstances under which we find ourselves meeting. The time could come when uh, we would be prevented from doing that. That was very evident in Canada during COVID. We saw fences and chains and guards and people being arrested. There was a couple of instances, there were a couple of instances where pastors were dragged out of their congregations and locked up because they continued to preach. And that's not out of the question, that kind of thing setting up. There is a, a drive for, for the Jews right now and they're ultimately, they're listing, if you notice in the conversations with the forces against Israel, they're also concerned about Christians. They wanted go for Christians. So uh, those times could come. And meeting together, uh, for me, is a very important thing. I, 
and meeting for me is important enough so that even if we're barred and chained and fenced off, we're going to find a way. I will find a way, and hopefully you have the same mind, that we're going to find a way to get together. It could be in homes. In, when the Soviets were in uh, power, they were meeting in woods. Uh, but we have that overwhelming desire to and need and command of God that we uh, meet together. And so that, that, that has to be maintained. And uh, so um, there's a matter of our witness. It's important that we, no matter what, when we have opportunity, a person who's without Christ, that we witness to them. And that could show up as a costly thing in a hurry. When you're out there witnessing and picture yourself on an airline and you're talking to the guy next to you and you're witnessing, and that's heard by a lot of people around. And I, I've heard uh, people in modern, in conveyance where the, uh, there's a witness and it's loud and people are hearing. And that could be a very dangerous thing. Uh, so, uh, but we have to. And, you know, the love of God is within us. We have in Christ, we want others to have. And so it would be within us, by the leading of the Spirit, I believe, to want to get that message out to unbelievers. And particularly one who makes an inquiry about the faith that lies within us. We're going to want to talk. And so... Uh, come what may, we'd better do it. The scripture gives a premium value to uh, one in particular. And again, we would come up with our own list of four times that we decide we're not going to go beyond, we're not going to give that up no matter what. But high on the list would be Matthew 10.32. Matthew 10.32 uh, is whosoever therefore shall confess me before men will I him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. That's a very valid prayer. Uh, it's a matter of our uh, being willing to uh, not we're having the the compunction within us. I haven't heard that word in a long time. Thought about it. it just came to me. The drive within us to to not hide or cover our witness, uh, or that we are a, a Christian, and uh, it, it can eke out of us in any number of ways. We don't want to hide it. I have an all-time example of that. That was with years ago, having lunch with a church official, a leader in our church, and we're at lunch, and he said, "I'll pray." And he, he breaks into his prayer without bowing his head, without closing his eyes, and our Heavenly Father, and he goes on and on and on, very holy words. But he did not want to be seen bowing his head or closing his eyes. And I felt in a prayer like that, that that's a terrible thing for a believer. He's hiding. You know, he's, he's not letting it be known that he's a, a believer. And he, I feel that's an extreme thing, but uh, that was before me, and I'm a young man, and I, I, that was a, a poor example for me to see. Uh, we all know about the, the matter of dropping a napkin on the floor in the restaurant and praying on the way up. I mean, I, I just, it's a real shame if we, if it's our normal custom at home to bow our heads in prayer, uh, that when we get out there, you know, and not uh, carry on 
with that testimony. It's a very small thing, but uh, I've, I've seen as a young man failure in that. It made a big impression on me. And uh, it is not like, and we talked about this Sunday in our Sunday school class, where Peter said, and the disciples all agreed with him, I will not deny you. I, I would die for you, but I will not uh, deny you. I, I just will not do that. He wasn't with that citing God's power to enable him to do that. He simply, with my love and devotion to you and the relationship that we've had, I'm, I will never let you down. I will not deny you. I'll die with you, but I won't deny you. And, of course, then Jesus delivers that prediction that Peter, later, before the cock crow, you're going to deny me three times. Uh, wow. Uh, and as we go on beyond that point, we see that, in fact, Peter did deny him three times. But it was he and the disciples throughout that passage never really or never ever cite, uh, pray for God's help and guidance. These are taking stands like this, and particularly if you can be, if you're ever caught off guard, uh, you can succumb. Uh, it's an ominous threat. It's right on you now. You you just whatever you 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 cut and run after a fashion. Do the wrong thing. It's. Uh, we have to go at this, I believe, very humbly, and we seek God's power. We are believers now. We have the power of the Holy Spirit within us, and it's a power that we have to claim. Uh, I in the flesh could be caught. As the disciples around the table there earlier had said, is that I? Is it possible that me, or that I, uh, with uh, my thinking and my actions, my attitudes, could, could let you down, could betray you? They all ask that question. And uh, so it, it's good if we go at this, uh, looking at that as an example, humbly, where we seek God's power and the, the power of the Holy Spirit to uh, enable us to make a, a, a stand for God, for Christ, no matter what. And it's, a, it's a, at the time... It, it, a challenge to you, but it's by the power and grace of God that we would claim that. And so, uh, unlike those disciples at the time, and they failed, but the Lord picked them up and used them. I mean, Peter, James, and John were mightily used of the Lord, as we know in the rest of the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, it was a big thing. Uh, he picked them up, dusted them off, and they, they went again, even though there was massive failure there. There just was. We can have massive failure and, but ahead of time, these are aforetime, I don't want to, I want to decide that I, I am going to maintain my profession of, of Jesus. Uh, I do not want to let, uh, uh, in any way, uh, a, a denial, a cover, a cloak over my faith and practice. Uh, so, in the words of Mark Levin, that's it. I'm done. <clears throat> Let's close with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, uh, Daniel was a, a great example for us. Uh, he was uncompromising. His uh, immediate action was to remain loyal to you. 
maintain his uh, life practice uh, in public display of his devotion. Many people were looking on. on. Uh, he uh, would not want to let them down, but most of all, he would not want to be found uh, letting you down personally. It's just something that uh, uh, he wasn't prepared to enter into, and uh, so we respect uh, his uh, mind there, his, his actions, and it is for us, and I pray that uh, we would humbly seek you for strength and power to stand fast no matter what. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.